are we, David? We're in hell. <laughs> hey, all my friends are here. Is, wow. is this a desert? Is this... I see bones everywhere. We're in sacrament meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I just was looking around the desert landscape and saw just dust and sand blowing through all these rib cages and bones and shit. Um, huh. What could we be talking about today, David? Um, Let me turn to my micro quad. And we are going to quote from Jesus. And he's talking to his buddies, the Pharisees and their partners, the guys that uh, are definitely wrong because they're sad, you see. Oh, oh. oh. Okay. You know, the audience, I'm looking at the audience right now, and they have looks of horror and disbelief <laughs> on their face. Can you guys even make a sound at this point? Or Yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> we are in Ma- Matthew, a man that historically there's no proof ever existed. <laughs> that doesn't matter. <laughs> Matthew 23 and 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones. Oh, dead men's bones. That's what those bones were. Mm, Dead men's bones. Interesting. Sounds like a Pirates of the Caribbean movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Dead man's chest, dead man's bones. Speaking of Pirates of the Caribbean, before we get into some church news, we had a, a quote from one of our buddies on the show, he said he it was okay to share. Do you want to share this quote, I guess, that he gave of us? Of course. Yeah, let's see what he had to say about that. It's not getting to the land of the dead that's the problem. It's getting back. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, it's not I, getting to the land of the dead that's the problem. It's getting back, and that's what yeah. we would have to say about becoming a Mormon and then getting the hell back out. Yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Getting back. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he's right. He's right. Let's, let's jump into a little bit of the LDS church in the news. Dude, chloroseptic, come on. <laughs> There's people listening who probably don't even know what chloroseptic is. I guess, I don't know, it's still sold these days. It's not chloroquine, we know that. Chlor- what? All right. What? Oxychloroquine, what? Who, why? Oh, yeah. So, speed skater Ben Thornick put an LDS church mission ahead of Olympic aspirations. Now he's changed focus. Uh-oh, what's going on here? Hmm. Ben Thornick says Julie Jag. Julie Jag sounds like she missed her calling. So instead of like an editor for the Salt Lake Tribune here, she should have been like a punk rock lead. 
with a Julie name like Jett. that, yep. don't you think? Julie Definitely Jag with, with Joan Jett. Yeah, Julie oh. Jag and Joan Jett. Yeah. Whoa, what a duo! Uh, yes, here we go. Ben Thornick could almost forget about the Olympics while serving as a missionary for the Church of in Northern Japan. Oh, a fellow Japan goer, go, dude. He had no access to television or the internet and was limited to one email for a week from his parents as he concentrated on proselyting for his church. Every once in a while, though, the Taylorsville High graduates route would take him past a store with a TV. He'd catch a glimpse of a speed skater. He'd feel a pang in his heart. I just died thinking at home I could have watched it, Thornick 22 said. Well, yep, you were deceived. I'm sorry, bro. Not just watch, Thornick had a chance to be in Pyeongchang, South Korea, competing in the 2018 Winter Games. He let it pass, opting instead to serve his mission. Yeah, uh, he's not the first one who's done that no, for the many. church. Many, many people have done and that. And their hope to just want to be, you know, treated like a hero for having done so. Yeah, and, you know, many of them don't have the romantic story that's often shared where they come back home and their career or their, their opportunities are just waiting for them patiently, right? Yeah. So a lot of them lose it forever because they put yeah, the church first. Yeah. yeah. One day in early 2018, he suffered an emotional blow when his mother emailed him to tell him several of his friends and training buddies had qualified for the Olympic team. Ooh. Thorne will try to earn a spot as one of the six men on the World Cup team this winter, and then hopefully to the on to the Olympic trials, eventually to the Beijing Games in 2022. So who knows if he's even going to make it at this point because of the Church of Dead Men's Bones. David, what living, breathing thing did the church have to offer that young man? Nothing but a delay of his dreams which he thought was righteous to give up during those two years and probably, well, definitely had a serious impact on him, even if he's able to get back in to the running, which is yet to be seen. So, right. And yeah. yeah, if you forego training in, in a sport like that for yeah. two years, yeah, or it's, even for a short time, yeah, forget yeah. it, man. Unfortunate. Yeah. So how about a little for your information okay now last week we started in 1906 yes and talking about the san francisco earthquake and that san francisco was on fire interestingly over the weekend here they had a huge fire down at the wharf huh. down there yeah four alarm it was humongous Must have missed i that. don't know yeah. what the update is on that but the place that likes to burn. I guess so. Uh, and we'll talk more about that later as well. Burning, places of burning, what? <laughs> okay. We're now in 1910. The stake president writes of church members complaining on account of so many Smiths being chosen. <laughs> okay, so the, the recent conference sustained John Henry Smith as second counselor to President Smith's son, Joseph Fielding Smith, as a new apostle. So, yeah, yeah. nepotism, nepotism run wild. Wow. Still getting it. Okay. Still getting it. Yeah. Let's jump into 1911. 
John W. Taylor appeals to Joseph F. Smith to reconvene the Theocratic Council of 50 what? to protect Taylor and other co-religionists from polygamy investigations by the 12th. Uh, uh, hold on a second. It sounds like this was an official thing that used to exist, and, and he's saying that he wants to reconvene it or re-constitute yeah. it. The Theocratic Council of the Fifty, did you say? Yeah, well, we've spoken about the Council of Fifty several several times. Yeah. He, he uh, put the word theocratic in theocratic. front of it. Theocratic, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, in pre- other words, let's pit these brethren against these brethren. Yeah, that was the like. second part of my question. So they're going to reconstitute this group or reconvene this group, and it's to defend some of the 12 against accusations of polygamy. Interesting. <laughs> September 16th, public report concerning a man who attempts to extort $100,000 from the church president to prevent publication of covertly obtained interior photographs of the Salt Lake Temple. Oh, so this... No, he attempts. He, oh, he never he didn't got get that him. money, okay. I'm sure. I was going to say, so this is Mike Norton's great-grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> now listen to this. Two days later, the First Presidency commissions James E. Talmadge to write the book entitled The House of the Lord. Oh, Okay. Published a year later, its photographs omit the tobacco spittoons from the council room of the first presidency. (laughs) Okay. All right. Of course it does. You you add here and you take away there. Yes. Yes. All right. This is interesting. I I never heard of this. October 2nd, the first anti-Mormon film entitled Victim of Mormons. Huh. Opens in Copenhagen, Denmark. Interesting. I'm going to record that. I'm sure someone has a copy of that. Victim of Mormons. Of the Mormons. Of the Mormons. Of the Mormons. Okay. Yeah, the film goes into international distribution. And, oh, imagine this. It's publicly condemned by Apostle David O. McKay. Huh. (laughs) All right. We don't like that stuff. I've never heard of that. I have to add it to my collection. Mm -mm. All right. Yeah. So now we're going to get a little bit of history, uh, Gentile or otherwise. Okay. Okay. November 29th, LDS Church organizes its first Boy Scout troops. One of Lord Baden-Powell's original English Scout troops is LDS Arthur William Sadler. Scout. Yeah, so, uh, and then later the church incorporates the Young Men's Mutual Improvement Association and affiliates it in with the scouting, which is what we grew up with. Yeah. And that's of interest, that date, 1911, because now, you know, 109 years later, they're no longer affiliated with the scouts. Yeah, and it's it's also interesting, all the stuff that they did through the decades for young men in the church organizationally and what they didn't do for the young women. (laughs) It was completely lopsided all through the decades of the church where the young women basically got the shaft and the young men got all these fun little organizations and stuff to do and 
Yeah. Which it basically yeah. mimicked the role of men and women in the church. It did. Yeah, I thought of that yeah. before, how the young men were basically being groomed, not to use a, a, a terrible <laughs> definition for that word, which also happens prolifically in the church, evidently, where uh, <laughs> they were groomed to be treated differently as men, too, and have these extra privileges and so forth, where the... The girls and ultimately the women were just kind of shat upon, as it were. So, anyway, back Bare to it. Barefoot in the kitchen. Yep. yep. Oh, and Pranagonet, too. Pranagonet, yes. Yeah, Pranagonet. <laughs> 1912. We're going to read three or four, and then we'll close with this f- shit. <laughs> I, got, I was grasping for an appropriate word there. Uh, appropriate yeah. expletive, yes. Yes. First presidency letter denies essentials of Brigham Young's Adam God teachings by focusing exclusive on his first 1852 sermon and makes no reference to his Adam God sermons during remaining 25 years of his life. So they cherry pick the shit out of it. And they just completely disregarded the, the ones that basically say Adam is our God and we we have no other. All of that teaching. All right. And they just, they found one sermon where it wasn't so drastic. Interesting. Okay. And they latched onto that one, like one of the nine vision accounts. They just picked the one they liked. Okay. Now this next one is interesting uh, concerning what we're going through with this COVID-19. March 21st, First Presidency encourages local leaders to discontinue Common Cup. For sacrament and begin using small individual cups. Oh my God! So oh, I wow. did not know that they were doing that oh, up until 1912. God. Hey, pass the cup. How many lips? Oh my God! Oh my God! Wow. So if that were to happen today, and one of those people had the coronavirus, everyone would get it. Wow. I Think mean, about that's... what that means. So the bishop. If they were still doing that spiel where the bishop gets the cup first, right, he would be the only one who wasn't lapping up other somebody else's saliva on that cup. Kind of yeah. like the baby yeah, in the right. bathwater thing where the baby was bathed last in this cess- oh. cesspool of oh my <laughs> dirty <God>. shit. <laughs> Holy fuck, man. Well, David, God clearly organized that ordinance. Well, and that was a revelation. Yes. It wasn't it wasn't common sense. <laughs> we we had to get a revelation to figure that shit out. <laughs> All right. We're going to end on something again that's historical. Yes. Uh 1912. What kind of major events happened that year? April 15th. Passenger liner Titanic sinks with the loss of 1,500 lives, including one Mormon fatality. Huh. Okay. Irene Corbett. Yeah. Well, God needed her. Yeah. Of course. No, her her mission in this life was over. Yep. And uh, might as well freeze to death in the icy waters of the (laughs) North Atlantic, you know? What the hell? At least, way to go. at least you go numb fairly quickly, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can't feel yourself dying. <laughs> you and all those other blue people. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever. That's bad. It is. It is.
All right. Did you say that I'm was done. the last one? All right. Well, that, uh, it. yeah. Wow. Interesting. It's interesting to paint the diorama of Mormon history. Ooh. Against the backdrop of history in general, David. So bringing up the, you know, Titanic and kind of level setting that in our minds. Okay, this is the time period. Interesting. Well, and we started with the Pirates of the Caribbean, so I figured we'd end with another ship. Oh, (laughs) very nice. Yes. Uh, You know, I appreciate when you put those things together and, and you, yes, yeah. So does the audience, evidently. Um, so the Black Pearl must have sailed by the Titanic. And so she's now a member of the crew. She's one of those skeletal cursed members. <laughs> it's yes. not getting to the land of the dead. That's the problem. <laughs> it's getting bad. <laughs> Pretty good, bro. Not bad. <laughs> uh, guy's a great actor. Yes, he great is. Actor. Great great character actor all right well let's jump into the well i was gonna say meat so let's jump into the bones as it were bro oh oh yes i know yeah audience is pretty quiet today because my jokes are pretty lame so sorry everybody we'll we'll try to do better so, David, why don't you start us off? What are we talking about here? There's a verse I'm thinking of in the Bible that you shared earlier, right? About dead, dead, men's, bones. dead men's bones. Is there another verse in the Doctrine and Covenants you mentioned? What we're talking about is how to tell whether something is alive or dead, right. in particular, the right. church. And this is what the church professes to be. We're in Doctrine and Covenants section number one, which actually was recorded years after the Doctrine and Covenants was started, but placed at the front. Oh, okay. of course. Makes, yeah. Why not? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Verse 30. The power to lay the foundation of this church and to bring it forth out of obscurity and out of darkness, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. And so a couple of weeks ago, we focused in on the one true church, talked about could there be, is there, and the claim of Mormons to be the one true church. This claim is that it's the one true and living church. I see. How would a church be alive? What would make it qualify as having a life force behind it? Okay, so that's kind of the topic, and and you can see our kind of our assessment of that statement in the title of our podcast episode today, (laughs) (laughs) how alive we think the church is. That makes sense now that you read that verse in the Doctrine and Covenants, because the brethren, again, I know, the brethren sent me an audio clip, and I was like, what does this have to do with... And now it makes sense. So I'll, do you okay. mind if I play that clip that they sent me? They let it, let it rip. Yeah, they said this would be a good thing to listen to, like in earbuds or headphones, quietly as I meditate. They said there's no subliminal message in here. It's just kind of an ambient musical relaxation thing. Let, mm-hmm. Let's see what they meant by that. Let's Let's go ahead and play this the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. The only true church upon the face of the earth. 
the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church upon the face of this earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church, the only true and living church, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth, the only true and living church upon the face of the whole earth. Wow. So th this helps to remind us that if you repeat something often <laughs> enough, it makes it true. Yes, that's right. Including burying say it, your own testimony. Yes, yes. Say it again and again and again. <laughs> Maybe I'll mention it here. As I was beginning my departure out of Mormonism, I continued to attend meetings. As many of you have and or will or are currently doing to eliminate tension in the family mm. problems mm -hmm. disruption what's wrong with dad why isn't dad here you know this kind of thing and i was noticing it was just dead to me and why i say that is i compare it to what i would cons consider genuine spiritual experiences and i've spoken about those at least twice in past episodes mm. And I, I, it's ineffable. Those kind of experiences are personal. They're ineffable. They're real. And after having experienced that and then going to church, which claims to be the source of this, whatever, it's a living church. And to see people in the pews look like they're almost ready to nod off. <laughs> same talk at one after another the same <laughs> ritual the same routine the same words there's nothing there's uh, no life no, there no there isn't none none at all so, you know uh, speaking yeah. of which dave you know i have my ends and i have a direct line to well saying it grammatically correct i guess a direct line to the elohim the plural gods and I tried to call that line the other day. I think this goes along the line of what you're saying because mm -hmm. I tried twice. Uh, well, okay. I tried a bunch of times. Perseverance. That's yeah, good. yeah, I tried a bunch of times, but I recorded the results uh, once each. Uh, well, you, yeah. Um, you were probably thinking of that verse that's so often repeated, ask and you shall receive, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So... Look, here's one result I got, an example of capturing that. This was it here. <laughs> so that was that one. And then finally, I, I did get a little different thing. When I called, I, I got this. Yeah, so that was that. I, I didn't know what to do with that. Well, um, you, you know where I'm going to go with that. That reminds me exactly of someone flatlining in the hospital. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, it kind of does. They're dead. They're dead. Yeah, yeah. 
I think if we talk about it this way, so here's what the church claims, and then here's what we have heard from them over time that seems to be a contradiction of what they claim. So the church claims, well, we heard what they claim, right? That they're the only true and living church. Well, why do you have to include the word living? And what does something alive mean? And we can talk more about that. I think you were kind of talking along those lines just now, David, as you were kind of thinking yeah. through that. And um, there's there's interesting little tidbits that have been shared over time. You just referenced one the other day. I think it was in our last podcast episode from Joseph F. Smith about Revelation. Yes. He never claimed to have any. Yeah. He said, I've never had one. I, I've never pretended to have one. Of all the things that we could measure, you know, put your hand on the check for pulse, check yeah. for signs of life. Of all those things in a church, wouldn't the chief thing you would look for is revelation, interaction with God, interaction with the source? Yeah, that's right. That's fact, how you would know, oh, this is a living church. They're not just spouting off shit on their own. It's not from man. It's from God. Yes, that's okay. exactly right. Yeah, that whole piece about Revelation, as I looked through, for example, the talks, some of which I grabbed those clips for the, well, what am I saying? I didn't grab any clips. The The brethren sent that to me. <laughs> Again, God, you've really, you've really impressed them. Yeah. From all those talks through history of them, and that was like, by the way, a 20th of the talks I found that had the quote, the tr only true and living church, where they were quoting that scripture in the Doctrine and Covenants that you shared. And so it's one thing to be true, to have truth, true teachings, true doctrine, whatever, teaching reality. It's another to be living, and that piece is exactly described as you just said, David. In all these talks, the brethren explain what makes the church not just true with true teachings in it, but also living, in quotes, is revelation, as you just said. Mm -hmm. So this yeah. idea that, by the way, not only are what we're teaching you today these concepts true, but we're living. We're always, we're going to keep getting truth from God. That's why this church is alive. It's living. It's so growing. It would, yeah, the, yeah. the life, life blood or the breath. I like the metaphor of the breath. You cannot stop breathing for very long until you're dead. That's right. Maybe a, a couple of minutes. And so yep. in this instance, if there were a lack of revelation for more than just even a short time, the connection is cut. It, yep. You're dead. It'd be. It, yeah. And the dial tone experience I got calling up Elohim <laughs> explains why some of these things have been said. So Joseph F. Smith tried to tell the truth where he said. Hey, I, I don't get yeah. it, by the way. That golf tournament was over a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they're busy. They're busy. Uh, okay. Now they're tallying all the scores. There was a disagreement between Jesus and, and God the Father. About, I heard there was a there yeah. was a big argument on how many people are going to be allowed to die from COVID. There was that too. Yep, I heard that. Yeah. Um, but really, it was mostly the last month or so of meetings have been about there was how many mulligans they would be allowed on each hole. <laughs> and uh, that affects the score, obviously whether it counts against you or not. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. 
Um, so Oaks didn't think he was being recorded in a talk a while back that our lifelong friend, <laughs> Jonathan Streeter, who doesn't know who we are and has never met us, captured audio that somebody recorded of Oaks talking in one of these youth firesides or something where he, at the end, he gave them a Q&A session. And one of the girls asks him about, essentially, how do I experience an event like Alma the Younger, where basically I have a sure knowledge as if from a visitation from God or angels or whatever, right? How do I get Hmm. that level of a testimony? And this is how Oaks responded. Now, this is kind of noisy. I did a little noise reduction, unlike our friend Jonathan Streeter on this, to chop out some of the background, you're still going to hear some ambient stuff and creaking of chairs and shit, whatever going on. But hopefully you can understand Oaks here in this short clip to her question. Here it goes. My question is, what should we pray for to receive this same testimony, if not conversion, that all the younger experience for our friends that aren't of I missed the words Alma the Younger, uh, without which I couldn't understand that very fine question. What should you pray for to have the kind of experience that Alma the Younger had? I don't think you're likely to have the kind of experience that Alma the Younger had. Remember, he had a miraculous appearance of an angel and uh, really got hit over the head spiritually. Most of us don't have that kind of experience. But I interpret your question, Heather, as being how can we get the kind of testimony of, uh, I don't think we'll, we'll get it like Paul did on the road to where the angel appeared to him or where the Alma the Younger had. Uh, he forgot the name. Uh, the Lord gives a few of those kinds of experiences that are recorded in the scriptures to catch our attention and teach us the answer. But I've never had an experience like that. And I don't know anyone among the first presidency or quorum of the twelve who had that kind of experience. Yet every one of us knows of a certainty the things that Alma knew. But it's just that unless the Lord chooses to do it another way, as he sometimes does, for millions and millions of his children, the testimony settles upon us gradually like so much dust on a windowsill or so much dew on the grass. Did you catch that? Yeah. It was hard to hear. Um, Well, it sounded like they were underwater and... (laughs) It sounded like they were on the boat, on the Black Pearl, heading to Dead Men's Bones or something. I don't know. So for those who had difficulty hearing that, I apologize. I probably could do a little more audio adjustment on that and try to crystallize it a little better. But yeah, this girl asks, you know, how do I have that same kind of conversion experience as Alma the Younger? Oaks responds, well, that's pretty rare. You're not likely to have that. I haven't had that kind of an experience. Neither have any of the brethren or quorum of the 12 
to my knowledge. However, we know with a certainty, Mm. love that choice of words, the same kind of thing that Alma the Younger knew, even though we didn't get that type of an experience, but it came to us differently like over time, dust settles on a windowsill or dew on the grass. I can't believe he used yeah. that analogy. Right, <laughs> dust on a windowsill. Yeah, <laughs> dusty bones, man, <laughs> dead men's bones. Holy shit! So, anyway, basically, what a weak, weak. What? Whatever. Yeah, it's like uh, yeah, he, yeah. He wants to pacify her and the rest of the church membership and say, look. That's not necessary. It's even a greater thing to know it this other way, which yeah, is yeah. means nothing. Let, like unless... Marriott said, we believe that we know. <laughs> right. Or that <laughs> was uh, that. Hatch. Yeah. Hatch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Um, okay. I don't want to misquote. No, no. But yeah, it's, come on, guys. God chooses to sometimes do it that way in a dramatic way. What makes that person more special than anyone else to have angels or a visitation of Jesus or <laughs> well it, <laughs> they know. have an answer it's basically you know your pre-mortal life ah, right yeah you you were uh, valiant there and you know you're going to have a little bit different experience here because of that and you poor bastards over there you're lucky that you even found the church well you know that's what's funny about it or sad or irritating frustrating whatever here Oaks doesn't think he's being recorded, of course, but he just admitted, similarly to Joseph F. Smith, where Smith said he never had a revelation, Oaks is, none of us have had these visitations, right? Well, hold on a second. You may have just disappointed Heather, I think that was the girl's name, who asked the question, because we've been taught as members of the church that the brethren, especially the Twelve, have a unique calling in that they are quote-unquote special witnesses of Jesus Christ. And you know what? I recall something now, another thing that was taught, and that was that that's what qualified them for that office. It wasn't a rank or the fact that they were very wealthy, successful businessmen. They had seen Jesus. The prophet knew it. He called him into the office. You're now a member of the twelve. You've seen Jesus. Yeah. It was taught like that. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yep. Is being a special witness of Jesus Christ exclusive only to general authorities? <laughs> There's a bunch of material that we could whip off on that whole point, and maybe that's worth an episode, this conversation exclusively about the topic of being a quote-unquote special witness. You know, Oaks, again, he's kind of, maybe he's getting old and he's falling off his game. I'm recalling another talk that I think Streeter captured the audio of, where Oaks admits that a special witness does not mean that you've seen Jesus. It means you witness to his name. You know, you're like, what the fuck? Doesn't all the membership witness to his name? Exactly. It's another weak response, right? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? I think him and Holland are trying to compete with each other for dumbass answers. (laughs) Bringing the church single-handedly down to its destruction, right? I mean, you know, they're they're admitting shit that they never taught it that way, right? Okay, so we've covered two things that would 
be indications that the church is living. A constant, ongoing revelation yep. and seeing Jesus himself, not only speaking with him, but having had a quote-unquote special witness. Right. There's the a whole list of spiritual gifts. Well, they took one of them away. The gift of the tongues, as we read, is no mm. longer actually speaking in tongues and having someone to interpret. It's just learning a foreign language. Right. So none of the spiritual gifts, when something is alive, it's vibrant. It yeah. has a pulse. In other words, when you go to church, you get an infusion mm. of energy, almost like a transfusion at yeah. the doctors yeah. where you're just like, Oh, hell yeah. And I don't mean a res an emotional response to your favorite testimony bearer. Oh, I love it when brother so-and-so bears his testimony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on. No, yeah. I'm talking yeah. about something being alive. And so that moves me into religion versus spirituality. And that definitely could be a separate podcast. I just want to speak to it for a minute. Spirituality is very different than religion. Mm, it's yeah. direct contact with the source or with life. And now I'm going to get into one of my little spiels about, you know, the way that I look at things because of my experiences. So it's definitely personal. Mm. My belief is that all life is energy and all life is interconnected. And when you experience something in the present moment and interact with it, your life force interacting with its life force, that's spiritual. Mm -hmm. That's a spiritual moment. And when that happens, there's a beauty and an inner peace and awareness that's life altering. And another term for it is you wake up. Yeah. Yeah. You've been in a dream. You've been in an illusion. And now you pull back the actual veil of all this bullshit and mm. you're seeing the way things really work. That's reality. That's spirituality. Religion actually keeps you from having those kind of experiences. And that's yeah, I would all, agree. All, yeah. yeah, I'd agree 100 percent. You know, just kind of piggybacking on some of the things you just said. You could, in my opinion, substitute a word like spirituality with a phrase like transference of energy, you know, yeah. because as you were saying, you know, spirituality, another word for this concept is energy. Energy is life. Energy is vibrance, right? And, you know, to take it into a more scientific realm for people who are kind of, you know, more analytically minded, etc. We've talked about little bits and pieces of this type of stuff before, but you can, just to reiterate, I guess, you can measure things now with the scientific tools that we have, computers and so forth. Also, we can analyze this stuff. You can measure things like the vibration of every object. So... Rocks have a vibration. Trees have a unique vibration. People have a vibration, right? And we've, which, we've talked which about this. Which means that there is consciousness present That's in right. all different forms, and all yeah. all emanating from a single source. Yep. And I have to be careful, you know, the way I word that. You are that source. You're not just from that source. You are a part of that source. And yeah. 
Yeah. Again, when you wake up to that reality, you see life different. It doesn't make life easier necessarily. We're purposely here to learn from the difficulties of overcoming the egoic mind mm. and dualistic thinking. And that has a purpose to it. And when that happens, though, this is what you see. Again, if something is alive, it's breathing. Yes. There's yeah. respiration, the cardiovascular system, the it's nervous growing. system. Yep. Yeah. And we, we could compare those to different aspects of a organization such as the church and there nothing going on there folks it's just yeah yeah and, and in fact the longer it's around it, it's like the dust on the windowsill <laughs> it, it's just <laughs> yeah yeah and there's these illusions speaking of illusory you know effect or appearances versus reality that whole concept right uh, if an organization is living one way that you are tempted to measure that is, oh, is it growing? So, like, is it increasing in membership, right? Uh, and that's point. something point. that the brethren of the church have focused on adamantly since its inception. Well, see, see, this proves that it's living church and that it's true because it's growing in membership. Well, I... D- I disagree that just because more people start believing what you're telling them, it means that you're true. We've seen many, many instances in history where that's not correct, right? And people join these cults or misleading, you know, even non-religious things, groups that, you know, you name it, right? Whatever example you want to use there doesn't mean what that group has is quote-unquote reality or truth. It just means they attracted people to it. So that's not a good measuring stick. Then you have the reality. sales pitch is what it amounts to. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's a sales pitch. How good is your sales pitch, right? How easy is it Mm -hmm. to persuade people? And then we also have, even if you believed that that was a sign of growth, we have the reality that actual overall existing membership totals, if you include people who are taking their names off the church, etc., the membership is actually decreasing the growth rate, which means, what, it's dying? You could assume, if you want to use that analogy, I would argue it's more along the lines of what you just said, David. It's the energy, it's the vibrance, it's the change that this organization has on you that is a measurement of its life, not how many people are in the group. If some of these things were true that the brethren claim, like the prophet and the twelve are really getting revelation, the prophet and the twelve have really seen Jesus, The prophet and the twelve are divinely inspired by this direct communication with this energy source, right? This type of concept. That would be pretty phenomenal. That would be something that you could call a living, you know, a.k.a. energy-filled organization, right? And, And right down the line, because it's professed at every level beneath, and that's what it is. It's beneath, you know, with general authorities, stake presidents, bishops, yep. even quorum leaders and so forth. Once you're set apart to a position, a calling, some of the words that are used is, you know, you have a right to revelation over those people over whom you have stewardship. Right. And, and are we seeing any of that? No. Only no. the profession of it. But yeah. no, a lot of mistakes. <laughs> actually. And again, what's so damning about that 
is that when all the answers are being given to you, you're being told what reality really is, how it's organized, how it works. Mm. You're not out looking. You're not seeking. You're not going inward, which is the source. I, I'll say it again. That's where the truth for your life will be found is within yourself. Yeah. But you're not even going to go there because oh, I already have it. Yeah, it's being Thanks, guys. handed to yeah. me instead of, you know, yeah, exactly. So some of these key measuring sticks or whatever you want to call it, if the claims are true or not, you know, you used to have to study that out carefully and you used to have to find these evidences. Well, so-and-so said this and this is what really happened. Now you don't even have to go that far. Now that we have the information age, etc., and we have these guys being recorded when they didn't think they were being recorded and stuff like that, even stuff that was just openly offered by Joseph F. Smith's statements about Revelation, right? I mean, he was actually being, just for a little background quickly on that, that's during his interview when he was being imprisoned for polygamy, as I recall, and the legal folks were interviewing him, kind of like, almost like, hey, are you running a cult here, right? And mm-hmm. so this was one of the questions they asked him. Do you have, you claim you have revelation from God and you talk to God. Is, is that true? And he literally answered, no, I've never had a revelation, right? <laughs> it's like, oh my God, he admitted it. Well, he was under the gun, so to speak. He was in a legal interview, but he, look, commendable that he told the truth i guess he could have easily lied yeah during that interview i never thought about that um yeah he told the truth a little Um, bit of a problem for the church no kidding right but we bury those things oh never mind bury that fucking interview but you know from then forward you got things like oaks being recorded without his knowledge you got things like holland being interviewed by sweeney where he felt like he was quote-unquote ambushed he didn't have time to prepare answers why do you need to prepare answers if you're a real, you know, connected to God? And so evidence after evidence starts coming out, right? And you add all these together, and you're like, oh my God, there's not revelation. There's not this active growing energy. All these things are lies. This is really a dead organization, right? It's not what it claims that it is. So it starts to kind of spell out right in front of you so to speak and so like you were doing david we could talk about what makes something alive we could talk about what the church really is it's essentially a collection of outward activities this is the definition of a church right yeah and so it's customs it's rituals it's uh uh, yeah, cultural, definitely yeah. huge, hugely. The Mormons, especially cultural, it's it's endless activities and mm. movement equals what? I guess energy in their minds. Uh, I it, mean, you know, it yeah. keep keep them moving, very cult like, keep yeah. them involved in all these activities. Don't let give them, we've said this so many times, don't let them think for for themselves. If they do call them into the Bishop's office right away. We'll straighten that out right now. (laughs) You know, so what are the fruits? Another another word for it is the, the fruits Fruits. by the fruits. You shall know them. In other words, what are we seeing? Not just in the church, like in the leadership and the organization, but in the lives of its members, Mm -hmm. are we seeing evidence 
of people who are filled with the spirit, people who have daily guidance in their lives, people who are joyous because they understand that life itself is just so precious. And they're, you know, all of those kinds of things mm. uh, where they can look sideways to their fellow beings and love them right. unconditionally just because they're there, not try to get them baptized, not try to judge them. But, not happening. Hey, yeah. Not you're happening. my equal. You're part of me. We're we're connected. Yeah. Unconditional love. It's woo, yeah. good luck. Well, I think instead of this energy that we're talking about, right? And this is not just true for the Mormon church, but I would say it's especially true, though, for the Mormon church. Things like ordinances, processes, policies, guidelines, manuals, right? Commandments. Uh, yep. No real inward value everything is external so yep. outwardly claiming to offer answers you know spiritual rewards peace guidance an anchor as it, hinkley said it's in his all interview. about the way things look not the way they really are yes it's appearances is big yeah yeah big deal instead it's funny you were talking about like sitting in church and everybody falling asleep and <laughs> it's like <laughs> You know, we're not speaking for everyone, of course, but you see this no. a lot, you know. And, and so I thought of this comparison or a metaphor of instead of this breath of air, this breath of energy and life, this claim to offer a genuine spiritual experience, essentially the members are drugged in this type of an organization. And you kind of mentioned this, you know, it's so... The church recently has been trying to hold on through what I kind of see as a spasm of alterations, adjustments, meaningless additions to the church, right? Which basically, if you look at what they are, they're just a juxtaposition of the same pieces of the puzzle, right? When the reality is you're essentially just pacifying your members. You're pacifying the membership through the barbiturate <laughs> of an illusory claim or claims based on foundation created by a con man. That's the church. And what you just said about moving the pieces, that's kind of what I meant when I used the word movement. Yeah. Keep things. It's, if something's moving, it's alive. It's right? a shell game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, how about that? But are things moving internally, or is uh, it just all the outward physical movement? Run yeah. to meetings, run to this, go, do that, go to the temple. Oh, we're whatever. building another on, physical on, temple over here. We're building another church over here. We're we're doing these physical things. You can see the church must be moving. And right. that, that was my point. Yeah, that, not so no. much. Not so much. I mean, you brought up, David, when we were talking separately, the Mr. Potato Head for people who remember that toy. <laughs> yeah, moving things around is just like taking what it is is a potato, and then you can put the eyes on and the mouth and two ears and rearrange it. And that's all they're doing. They're they're moving things around. You still got a, a dumbass potato <laughs> in, your, in your hand. <laughs> it's still a potato, and it's starting to rot, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's starting to stink. I don't know if you've ever smelled a rotten potato. It's not a pleasant smell. 
the eyes you should be focused on is what's referred to as the third eye. I'll mention this briefly. I believe that whoever taught the things that were attributed to Jesus, a lot of them are very valuable. One thing he said was, if thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be filled with light. Yeah, And that's what he was talking about, the single eye that is the third eye placed just above the eyebrows in the center of the head, which is the seat of the soul and the place where real insight and revelation comes from, including your heart center. Yeah. But if you if you focus on that, see, that's that's focusing inward. You're already came equipped. Yes. Yeah. It's the eye that sees Spiritual inward. Journey. Yeah. The eye that sees inward, not the eyes looking outward. Yeah, it's interesting. So when we look at the whited sepulcher, of course, Christ's, or, you know, Yahshua ben Joseph, or whoever really said those words, point being what you just said, David, on the outside of this building, you see this whited sepulcher that's shining in the sun and beautiful, right? And on the inside... Dead men's bones. Dead men's bones. It reminds me mm. of occasionally you'll pick up a piece of fruit and it's just beautiful. It's glistening. It looks awesome. You cut into it, and the entire inside is just rotten. Yeah. Yeah. And you <laughs> drop it, right? You don't yeah. <laughs> try to eat around it, hopefully. You just <laughs> drop that shit in the trash where it belongs. All right, folks. Well, it's not getting into the land of the dead that's difficult, matey. <laughs> it's getting back. It's getting back. <laughs> get out, people. Get out while yes. you can. Yes. Love you guys as always. Have fun. See you guys. <laughs>